Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Freedom International live stream and thank you very much for always supporting us, being here and sharing each and every one of our episodes to the people who you care so much. And for all of you who are doing your part also to keep yourself healthy, to have that medical freedom and of course to help us keep evolve as a family as a community as a nation as global individuals and persons so thank you so much and today we're really very happy and i'm for one so happy to have sally fallon morrell because i've been following her for a long long time and i know she's been a very busy woman and so finally she's here and wishing that she will keep coming back in the near future. So welcome, Sally. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Sally Fallon Morrell is the founding president of Western A Prize Foundation. And you could get that at this Western aprize.org and it is a nonprofit nutrition education foundation dedicated to returning nutrient dense food to american tables and also many of the things that she's going to share is not just to american tables but it's very important that in our every culture all over the world you could get so much of the principles that she's going to share for nourishing tradition from nourishing traditions she's also the founder of a campaign for real milk the realmilk.com which has its goal universal access to clean raw milk from pasture-fed animals. And she has all this extensive experience in testing and production of unpasteurized milk and milk products. And because she and her husband also owns a um, the PA Bow Bowen Farmstead, and that's in Southern Maryland. And she'll talk more of everything that I just shared briefly. And of course, she is an author and co-author of many books and that is the best one is nourishing traditions with a cookbook and the nourishing traditions book of baby and child care with dr cohan whom you know most of you know about him as well and the nourishing broth and it's quite interesting that for me as an individual raised from the Philippines and coming to United States, I was telling um, Sally earlier that the first thing I heard from conversations of food and diet was how bad coconut was. So, but I grew up in that region where we eat coconut in the morning three, more than three times because it's snack time also, everything has coconut. So it was just tricky and yet, there's not a lot of I don't hear that our, our number one illness in the in my region during that time it wasn't like high blood pressure or high cholesterol you know we we had some illnesses but not to that point that it will really stop us from eating coconut so and I myself also went through many di different um, different diet so Sally not right now I think I would like you to uh, first, maybe before we I ask my first question is how about can you just tell us and our the audience what was the impetus in your life that made you create the Western A Prize Foundation and tell us about it. 
Well, I read Dr. Price's book uh, when I was starting out with my own family. And I eventually had four children and I raised them according to the principles in his book on a very high fat diet, lots of butter, snuck liver in as often as I could, uh, cream, meat, um, you know, natural foods, but mainly the emphasis on the foods rich in what Dr. Price called the fat soluble activators, fat soluble vitamins, A, D, and K. And uh, egg yolks is another source. So um, the interesting thing was that it worked for my children. None of them needed braces and I needed braces. My siblings needed braces and so they were healthier than I was. So I'd done this experiment on my own family and it worked. So then I got the idea to write a book, a cookbook that put his ideas into practical form. Uh, Tom Cowan's always pointing this out that I really have no background in any of these subjects, but my, what I really like to do is cook. And um, so I wrote a cookbook that contained a lot of uh, really nice, satisfying recipes. And lo and behold, it just kind of took off and um, sold very well. So then we decided that we needed more than a book. So Mary Ennig, who is my co-author, and my husband Jeffrey and Tom Cowan and I set up the Weston A. Price Foundation in order to um, keep the subject before the public eye and to publish a journal and to um, just bring information about nutrition and the research that was going on uh, to the public. And part of our mandate is to counter disinformation. Now we keep hearing that word disinformation, but there's a huge amount of disinformation about diet and what, what constitutes a healthy diet. And that's mainly promulgated by the soybean industry, the soy oil industry. And they were the ones who mounted the campaign against coconut oil, also against butter and saturated fats and all of the healthy fats that we need. So we consider ourselves like a counterforce to this ongoing and malicious propaganda. Sally, how far back did that uh, food wars or, you know, yeah, I call food wars, it started because even if it's like three decades, I believe, or more than that, most of the frequent question that I encounter from people who wants to be healthy is, uh, so what diet can we follow? Because they've got so much confusion already. Yeah. Very, very confusing. Well, it goes back a lot longer than that. It really started in 1913 when Crisco was developed. and Well, uh, was the Procter & Gamble made a partially hydrogenated fat for candles and electricity came along. And so they had no market for it. So they said, oh, well, instead we'll just feed it to people. And so they started promoting Crisco, which was, um, which was stood for crystallized cottonseed oil. And they um, had a book called the Crisco cookbook. And they, the way they promoted Crisco was to demonize the competition and the competition was butter and lard and later it was also coconut oil. So um, this started in 1913. It was very clever marketing. They promised young housewives that if they use Crisco instead of lard, 
Their houses would be cleaner. They would smell better. Uh, they would have better digestion and their children would grow up with better characters than children who ate lard. So they knew how to push all the buttons of the upcoming American housewife. Uh, then they basically took over, the vegetable oil industry took over uh, and be, uh, learned to control, figured out how to control uh, the American Medical Association, the diet, dietitians, and the government agencies. So they basically infiltrated the government agencies and got the government to promote the idea that if we use vegetable oils instead of animal fat, we'd be healthier. In fact, in the 1970s, the McGovern Committee promised Americans if they just used margarine and vegetable oils instead of butter and lard, they would, um, uh, it would um, solve the 10 most serious diseases that we suffer from which Americans did. I mean, they listened, they used vegetable oils, they used spreads, they, you know, only very few people use butter and hardly anyone except us uses lard. And um, so that's what happened, but the diseases got worse and worse. So, so it was an empty promise. And then after they had brought in the margarine and the cooking oils and reduced the sales of butter and almost completely obliterated the sales of lard. Then they went after coconut oil because coconut oil was used on popcorn in the movie theaters and they did, they wanted to use soybean oil instead. So they mounted this campaign against coconut oil and said that it raised cholesterol. It was this terrible saturated fat and um, the, the theaters stopped using coconut oil. So it, it's, it was the same pattern everywhere. So obviously all that word disinformation and misinformation has been really happening for a long time already. And if it's been happening all those decades, how much more now, right, Sally? So I wanted well, it's to- It's still going on. I, I'm, I'm always shocked at how, how many people still believe it. Now there's been a, a counter movement uh, butter consumption has gone up a little bit. Um, people are using, some people are using lard. Coconut oil had a comeback. But the majority of people are still um, most of getting most of their fat calories from industrial seed oils, which are extremely toxic and will eventually lead to complete infertility. They already are, but... Um, the, um, I call this the natural selection of the wise, the people who continue to believe this propaganda and to eat this way will die out. That's nature's way. And they won't reproduce anymore. And that's very tragic, but that's, that's the facts. I mean, you, you can't nourish yourself and have a healthy reprodu reproduction on a diet based on industrial seed oils. Just no way. You're reading my mind because my second, my next question, actually, before I pass it on to, to Roy, is about fertility. Because coming from the Philippines, most people didn't have a problem of 
having babies no. and that's no. okay and so when i came to and but then we knew that in the united states people seem to be struggling and having babies and of course from other countries and that's why they all go to asian countries to adopt african countries here but i was thinking uh, that other than the food is it also possible that these are also the areas the countries where they got a lot of some kind of jab some kind of gene therapy some kind of v's v things that's going on now so i want you to please share your thoughts about that because it's like uh, there's always that we feel that there's a depopulation agenda and then if we don't eat properly then we will surely be part of that um agenda well, the vaccinations are definitely a depopulation agenda. There's no question. Vaccinations are extremely toxic and uh, damage children in the most tragic way and definitely contribute to infertility. But number one is still the diet. And I'll just give you an example. There was a study at Harvard University by a guy named Chibaro, big promoter of low-fat diets. But they took women who were having trouble getting pregnant and uh, put them on one group was a control group and the other group was told to eat full fat dairy, to eat butter and whole milk and, and so forth. And they were the ones who got pregnant. So this was a real slap in the face to the anti-animal fat people. And what did they do? Um, it was very embarrassing for them. They said, well, okay, if you are trying to get pregnant and you can't get pregnant, go to butter and full fat milk until you get pregnant. And then you go back to your low fat uh, diet. Now, don't you think that the diet that gets you pregnant is the diet that you need right through your pregnancy? <laughs> so uh, these people know, they know that this uh, diet that avoids animal fats um, is does lead to infertility. Of course, they don't care. That's the, that's the agenda. Um, and why animal fats? Well, for one thing, animal fats contain cholesterol, and you can't make sex hormones without cholesterol. They're made out of cholesterol. And secondly, the animal fats contain vitamin A and other vitamins that we need to make the sex hormones. And we need vitamin A for a healthy development of the fetus. And most Americans are just not getting um, adequate vitamin A. And then they came up with this lie that you get vitamin A from fruits and vegetables. Well, that's not correct. You get precursors. Some people can make a little vitamin A out of them, but most people can't. And um, so that's just another lie that they use to promote the dietary guidelines, which are basically um, a poverty diet. Um, very, um, you know, deficient in most vitamins and minerals. Thank you, Sally. I really respect everything that you do and that you don't have to have that MD or whatever degrees because for me- I'm <laughs> always, it's me about that. <laughs> I respect a lot more from your experience and any letters after anyone's name. Well, Thank there's nothing you. they can take away from me, right? So. <laughs> So, uh, hi, Sally. Um, with the cooking, because I've heard that a lot of the oils are carcinogenic and, you know, they Very. kind of push the wrong ones as well. So you might let people know about that because I don't think 
most people are aware of how dangerous the, the oils are once they actually you increase the temperature. Yes, well, the first thing is when these oils come out of the seed, and the first thing you need to know is they couldn't even get these oils out of seeds like cotton seeds or soybeans or corn until the invention of the stainless steel roller press, which was in the late 1800s. Uh, what comes out of the seed is uh, looks like black gunk. It smells terrible, and you would never eat it. It's very unappetizing. And then it goes through a refinement process, and they actually use the same equipment they use for oil refinery on the seed, on these, this gunk. And during this process, it's heated at least four times to way above the boiling point. Uh, it's bleached, it's deodorized, um, I mean, all kinds of processes. And then you end up with a bottle of oil that looks clean and smells, doesn't smell bad. But this oil is already loaded with the breakdown products of the refining of this oil. And then you're supposed to cook with it, so you heat it one more time. So what happens to this oil in your body? Um, it, it starts to create uncontrolled reactions in the body. I think that's the best way to put it. And then it breaks down into very small particles called aldehydes. Uh, the aldehyde you're most familiar with is formaldehyde, which is extremely toxic to the body. So the oil in itself is extremely toxic, very carcinogenic. It uh, depresses neurological development in growing children. It causes infertility. Uh, at, at the same time, you're not getting the types of fats that you actually need. And we do absolutely need healthy fats in our diet. And we need saturated fats because saturated fats support hormone production and support everything in the body. That's the kind of fat your body wants. And the reason your body wants saturated fat is because we're warm blooded and we, the saturated fats are stable in the body and the unsaturated fats are not. <clears throat> but also um, you're just not getting the vitamins that you get in things like butter and lard and, um, you know, duck fat, goose fat, all the animal fats. And when you look up on the USDA food information, they will tell you that butter is empty calories. Whole milk is full of empty calories from the fat. They say it's empty calories. They absolutely do not recognize that the fats contain many important um, vitamins and nutrients that we need, absolutely need. Excellent. And with irradiation, because I believe the supermarkets are using this, because, for example, you go away and you buy your carrots, they look beautiful, you leave them on the shelf for two days, and then they look like they've disintegrated. What, like, we're aware of the dangers of microwaves and taking all the nutrients out, but you might explain about the irradiation, what they're actually doing. Uh, well, they irradiate the food with, um, uh, it's like x-rays, really. It's, it's more than microwaves. Uh, that's not happening so much here, actually. Um, and it does, it does have to be labeled. They irradiate all the spices unless they're organic. Um, but maybe in Europe it's happening more. There was a big outcry against it here in the States. 
But like even like you mentioned the labels, because I mean GMO is supposed to be banned in some countries and everything, but there's times you actually find out that that it is. There's a load of trickery with the labeling. They don't even put oh. in all the ingredients that yes. are actually in a product. The perfect example of that is ice cream. And Americans eat a lot of ice cream because by the end of the day, they're so starved for fats because they've been on a low-fat diet all day or vegetable oils that they binge and gorge on ice cream. I mean, Americans eat a huge amount of ice cream. And so they eventually get those saturated fats, in, but with a whole bunch of sugar. But the other thing in ice cream that's not on the label is antifreeze. Propylene glycol, which is considered food-grade antifreeze. But it's in all commercial ice cream. And that's why when you take the ice cream out of the freezer, it's soft when you put your spoon in. You know, if you make um, ice cream at home, homemade ice cream, and you put it in the freezer, when you take it out, it's hard. It's hard as a rock. <laughs> but the, uh, the ice cream has antifreeze in it. Now, antifreeze is extremely toxic to the kidneys. In fact, there are known cases of murder where the wife has put antifreeze a little bit in her husband's food every day and he dies of kidney disease. And antifreeze is also sweet tasting. So that he, you know, he didn't notice and, and he eventually dies of kidney disease. So um, uh, we have an enormous amount of kidney disease in America. It's actually our number one disease. It's the number one killer. It's the number one cost in the medical system because of dialysis and everything. And I always say, if you have a hint of problems with your kidneys, you must stop eating commercial ice cream. Make, make your own ice cream. But the commercial ice cream is loaded with antifreeze, and it is not on a label. Excellent. I, you have a fantastic uh, website, which is going through a lot of things. And as I was doing the research, MSG, I was only aware of MSG in Chinese food. And basically, when you're getting your Chinese takeaway, as for no MSG. And based on what I kind of read, it's it's a lot worse than that. I think MSG is one of the most dangerous things in the food supply. All processed food contains MSG. It's not labeled. It's usually labeled as hydrolyzed proteins, natural flavorings. The government allows the food processors to add a flavoring mix to the food, and if less than 50% is MSG, they don't have to call it MSG. And the industry could not survive without MSG because it makes cardboard taste good, you know. Uh, MSG uh, is very da uh, damaging to the hypothalamus, which is the master gland. And the hypothalamus controls um, sexual development the hypothalamus, it's, it's the seat of impulse, impulse control. And what do our young people suffer from today is lack of impulse control. It also definitely causes weight gain. And there was a very interesting study in China where they took two groups, well, they took a bunch of people and they looked at how much MSG they added to their food. And none of them were using processed foods. It was all homemade food. But some of them added MSG and some added a lot of MSG. And what they found was the people using MSG in their homemade food weighed more. They were heavy than the people who weren't using MSG. So, you know, the hypothalamus does control appetite. Um, 
you know, feelings of hunger and this kind of thing. And when there's MSG in the food, you just tend to eat more, whether it tastes good or who knows. But, um, and so what, what's the solution? The solution is don't eat processed food. Don't eat processed food. Now they're adding a salt mimicker to the food, which is not labeled at all. It just comes under flavorings, natural flavors. And uh, this is really a dangerous thing because, we, first of all, we need salt. <clears throat> and this body, this substance tricks you into thinking you've eaten salt, but your body is smarter than you are and says, oh, wait a minute, I haven't gotten the salt I need. We need at least a teaspoon and a half of salt per day, at least. And so what happens, you just eat and eat and eat until your body gets enough salt. So this will also contribute to obesity. And in fact, this additive, it's called Simonex, is <clears throat> it's in all the processed foods, but it's also in sodas and added to teas and coffee and anything in a can will probably have Simonex in it. Okay. With it's, it's truly incredible. It's, uh, it's going to eventually lead to the wipeout of a large portion of humanity. Uh, and this is what I call the natural selection of the wise, the people who are wise enough to eat real food, do their own cooking natural ingredients, they will survive. They will have children in the future. Yeah, totally agree with you. And like, we're kind of aware of antibiotics and hormones and so, sometimes they're labeling that a lot of the time they're not. But I mean, the reality is everything that's going into these animals are going into the humans that are consuming them. Well, and when you speak about hormones, um, there's as much estrogen in a tablespoon of soybean oil as there is in a birth control pill. And soybean oil is 80% of the oil used in processed food. So when you eat chicken McNuggets or French fries, you're getting the equivalent of one or two birth control pills of estrogen. Now there's also estrogen in the animal foods and, you know, in the beef and stuff, but it's minuscule compared to what's in the soybean oil. And with, say, the labeling of, because I, I use an app here that kind of tells me what's inside in the, the food, and there's so much trickery that you think you see something with natural this and natural that, and then you look at it, and it is full of toxins. And I, I think so many people are fooled when they see this natural thing. I believe it's like if there's one ingredient that's natural, they're allowed to put natural on the product, and 99% of it could be toxic. Yeah, no, and I, and this is just as bad in the health food industry as it is in the regular industry. I mean, the things they sell in the health food store, most of them are just junk. And like, because I've also seen, because I try my best to get, you know, I get eggs from the farmer and, yeah. you know, different yeah. vegetables and everything. But I've heard, because a lot of people, they're looking for this bio and free range and everything. But there's a lot of trickery. I've heard that even with the chickens that are noted for free range, that they're all still in this big, huge warehouse. Yes. They open the door for 10 minutes and that's yeah. classed free range. They, they get to run around on the floor, but they're, they're not in cages, but they're not outside. They're not outside. Yeah, oh, there really is a lot of trickery. <laughs>
Mm. And like, what's, I mean- But you know what? I think the thing we try to emphasize at Weston A. Price and the Weston A. Price Foundation is that eating this way is really delicious. The way we eat with lots of butter, you can have plenty of salt, you can have beautiful sauces made with homemade broth, cream, you can have natural desserts, uh, natural soft drinks like kombucha. This way of eating is just so delicious and so satisfying that once you've eaten this way for a while, you actually can't go back and eat processed food. It's just disgusting to you. Uh, you don't even need any willpower not to eat processed food because your body just says, I don't want this. So that's the good news. Uh, the, the impression is created that health, healthy food is dry and tasteless and you have to have a kale smoothie or you have to have, uh, you know, you can't have any butter or egg white omelets, which are just totally disgusting, uh, skinless chicken breasts. No, it, that's not healthy eating at all. That's just stupid eating. <laughs> it's the kind of eating that creates cravings. And I say you're, you're eating this puritanical diet and you get all these cravings and that pushes you into the arms of the pornographic foods. And like a lot of, say, some countries, something is banned and the reality is they then send it to another country where it's not banned there yeah. and yeah. it's still yeah. being shipped across. Plus, like I have a friend, she works in the commercial airline business and this food's going in directions that they shouldn't be. And you just wonder what's actually really going on in the world. That's, yeah. It's kind of the opposite to what we'd expect. Well, one good thing, I'm always like to look for the good things, uh, uh, is that every Every commercial airliner coming from other countries in, into the States anyway is bringing fresh fruits and vegetables. And this is why we can have strawberries all year long and blueberries. And I mean, you may think we should only eat local and seasonal, but when I walk into the supermarket and see this display and I can buy pineapple and I can buy even organic pineapple and bananas and I think this is a miracle. This is a miracle. So we, we do celebrate that. Uh, the other thing that we celebrate is the fact that everybody has salt. You know, in the past, that's how dictators and kings controlled people was by withholding salt and controlling salt. Everybody today has access to inexpensive salt, which is essential for life. So there are a lot of bad things and we need to know what they are and avoid them. But I like to celebrate the good things also. Beautiful. Yeah, excellent. Thank you very much, Sally. I'll pass you on to Jane. It's interesting, though, isn't it, Sally, that salt has also been demonized? Oh, yes. yes. It's like, yes. yeah. So my girls, you know, uh, I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, salt has been demonized and we need salt and yes. um yeah, and iodized uh, salt as well. Like we need iodine, which is often not in the soil. But that's just a little segue. Um, my girls, when they were young, I was becoming a naturopath. And I fed them a lot of butter, a lot of fatty milk, as, as fatty as I could get it. And that was very intuitive. Um, and And even when I was at naturopathic school, we were being taught that dairy was bad 
and uh, that butter could cause cancer. And I intuitively just said, I don't think so. And some of the things we were even taught, like to eat oatmeal every morning, uh, I gained weight on it, (laughs) but I could eat all the fat that I, you know, that I could get my hands on and never gain weight. And so now we're fine. Now we know that, you know, we need cholesterol and all those things. But I found it interesting that I was even being taught that at naturopathic school. And in fact, so this is where I want to go. Um, we get a lot of kids with a lot of inflammation, right? Asthma, uh, breathing problems, colds, um, eczema. And one of the first things that we're taught is to take them off a of dairy. And I just wondered, Absolutely. yeah, I wondered what your uh, thoughts Well, are. I think modern uh, processed dairy is extremely toxic. It causes asthma. It causes respiratory disease. It causes earaches. It causes immune problems. It causes uh, autoimmune disease. It is extremely toxic. But unprocessed whole milk from grass-fed cows is a very healthy food and very important for growing children. It's their best source of calcium. It's really hard to get calcium if you're not eating some kind of dairy product, milk or cheese or yogurt or something. Yeah. Um, and that's what we have been fighting for. Um, I'm hoping you're getting, you're in Nebraska or North Dakota. I'm in Montana now. Montana, excuse me. But you can get raw milk in Montana and you go to our website, realmilk.com, put your zip code in and you can find where the raw milk is near you. And we've been working for 25 years to liberalize raw milk laws all over the country and it's working. Um, raw milk is very available now. And I can tell you that the, all the raw milk farmers I know can't keep it in stock. It's, there's a huge demand for it. Yeah. I do predict within 20, 30 years, the only milk available will be raw milk. So we're making progress in that score. But I, I totally agree. A child with asthma or earaches or frequent respiratory infection, first thing you have to do is take them off of commercial milk. Yeah, commercial. So I always, I fed my girls uh, organic, high Mm -hmm. fat milk, and it seemed to be fine with them. But I also uh, didn't vaccinate. And to me, there's a building of problems, right? When I see a young child that has inflammation, it comes even, it's even deeper. So that the milk is adding to it. And the, you know, the diet is adding to it, the sugar is Well, and each generation gets weaker. We uh, drank milk when I was growing up. I actually got raw milk when I was a child, but then we had pasteurized milk. We had all all the kids got um, a glass of whole milk at dinner. We still needed braces. We still had cavities, but we we grew, you know. But um, something else has happened. You see, it used to be just pasteurized milk taken to 160 degrees. Now all the milk is ultra pasteurized, all of it, even the organic milk. And that's milk taken to 230 degrees. Very quickly, it's rushed past superheated stainless steel. This is a completely unnatural process. And um, I mean, that extra heat just totally, totally destroys the milk. And it's not only destroys it, it renders the proteins toxic. The body thinks they're foreign proteins. So there has been a change probably from when you were bringing your daughters up. 
and today the milk is much worse today. Yeah. Interesting. And I just wondered, like my, uh, my way of thinking about the whole childhood vaccine thing was that there's a lot of toxins in vaccines mm. that is people aren't aware of. And I also, at that time, I believed in natural immunity and that, in fact, I, I believe that disease is actually helps our system yeah. yes. detox yeah. and become yeah. stronger and that it's good for us in general. And we should just need to support as if we're sick and that most diseases have already uh, were mostly eradicated when the vaccines were introduced. So I just, I wanted you to comment on that. And I was reading about TB, how it was caused by an iron overload. And yeah, you know, there's so much just, if you could just plant some yeah. seeds. <laughs> so, okay. So um, the argument used for vaccines is that they've caused a decline uh, in childhood diseases. And this is completely untrue. The, um, all these diseases were in decline before the vaccines came along. And some diseases, I believe like scarlet fever, have disappeared even though we have no vaccine for it. Uh, we have, and they don't protect you. We have cases of whole ships where everybody gets the mumps uh, and everyone's fully vaccinated with their boosters. So they don't work. They don't protect you. There's no reason to take them. And I agree with you. It's important for children to have these childhood diseases. Measles is a very important cleansing process for the child as it moves on to a different stage of life. And very often after the child has had the measles, you notice that they make advances in their learning or perception or whatever. Now, there is a, there is a danger with measles and danger of vitamin A deficiency it, because these... Um, a fever, a fever, any fever that a child gets uses up vitamin A. And if they have a very high fever and are very deficient in vitamin A, they could become blind or have seizures or whatever. So when you're taking care of a child with measles, you give them cod liver oil, you give them smoothies made with cream and egg yolks, you give them a little liver pate, Last whatever. Two. Can you hear me, Grace? Can you hear me? Yeah. Anyway, so um, we just, we, you don't give them Tylenol, you, which is really bad for them. You help them through this fever with the nutrient-dense foods. Yes, agreed, right? And then the child comes out stronger and... Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, and um, childhood diseases... Chicken pox and mumps and, you know, they should get the mumps. You want them to get the mumps when they're young because it's pretty yeah. catastrophic if a guy gets the mumps when he's older. Yeah. Yes. And so it's important for them to get these childhood diseases yeah. and that their immune system learns from it. They detox from it. And then, um, yeah, just helpful all the way around. Yeah. So you were saying measles, you require vitamin A. And I lost you there. I just wanted to clarify that. Oh, so uh, measles depletes vitamin A. And, you know, yeah. we had this wonderful program. I'm not sure if it's still going on. Uh, by Started by an ophthalmologist who sends vitamin A pills all over the world. And the mothers make sure the children get them. 
and um, it really has helped with infectious disease. And but we're not using it here. It's like nobody ever heard of it here. And um, yeah, I, I, sometimes I find that health professionals and doctors are ignorant of the most basic things like fever requires vitamin A. I mean, it's just basic. And even I know that and I have no training, you know, so. Well, right. Yeah. So this is, I, I wrote a book called Empowered, Jane's Empowered Handbook, because I think at the beginning of COVID, I was just shocked by how many people just fell into line and believed what they were told. Everything. And yeah. it's been rampant for 30 years. But to me, that was the red flag, a huge red flag. And I even had someone post on uh, Facebook, that why would I look into what's in a vaccine, I trust the, you know, oh, the people sweet. that are making it, I don't read labels at the grocery store. I don't read labels on my aspirin bottle. I don't read labels. And I was just like, what is going on? How could you post yeah. that and be proud yeah. of it you know whereas yeah. all you need is curiosity and to decide to empower yourself with this information which you've done and so many more can so i'm just really well a lot of people have woken up in covid um rates of childhood vaccinations are going down because people thought oh my gosh if the covid vaccine is so dangerous and I mean, I, probably all of us know someone who died after a COVID vaccine. Yeah. And, and um, then what about these other vaccines? So people are starting to wake up. And the uptake on the COVID boosters is very, very low. Right. So, yeah. So there's been more looking under the hood, <laughs> which is great. I think people and have to realize that this is not a, a nice world that we live in. There's people who hate us. Uh, there's evil people. There's people who do anything for money, who don't care uh, what it does to other people. And um, if you're swimming in innocence and everything's bright and rosy, um, you are vulnerable. You're vulnerable. We need to be suspicious. You know, we need yeah. to ask questions. Right. It's a very important quality. Yeah. <laughs> to, yeah, right. Thank you so much, Sally. I'll pass you I'd love to see your handbook if you'll send me your handbook. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'd love that. Thanks, hon. I teach people about cell salts and homeopathy so that oh, they okay. can so they can help their own family, help themselves, yeah. and yeah. just start to educate themselves on on Well, we're really yeah. big on homeopathy at the foundation. We always do a homeopathy column. Really? And, That's so wonderful. And maybe it's, you could write an article on cell salts for us. We had never have done that. So really? I'd love yeah. to. Yeah. 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 I love I love what you're doing. Thank you. Hello, Sally. Really pleasure Hi. to have you here on the show. Thank you so Thank much. You. And um what you said in the in the last minute, I have I have found today uh, accidentally a really cool quote which where we can understand what our task is. It means healing also means taking responsibility for the role you play in your own suffering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is um, uh, this the situation is what I let's say it this way. I make, for example, uh, not a diet, but I but I eat a lot of beef at the moment. And the interesting thing beef is, is good. Uh, beef, beef is, good. is brilliant because. Yeah. Uh, I have found out from myself that, for example, depressions are gone, more energy, 
And, and that's beef is the best source of zinc. And some people have a very high requirement for zinc. And if they don't get it, they do get depressed. Oh, mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. So, and this is what I want to ask you. The, on the one hand, the, the vegans or the vegetarians say that, for example, the overweight comes only from, from eating the meat and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 And I think uh, this could be a subject where you have maybe a comment. A comment. Um, yeah. yeah, I've seen some overweight vegetarians, vegans, because they have to eat so much to feel satisfied. Um, I mean, obesity is a huge problem today, but it certainly wasn't a problem 100 years ago in any country. We always had, you know, 5% of people who they used to call it had a glandular problem. That's what they said when people were overweight. But it just wasn't a problem. And um, I... It's, it's got to be the processed food, uh, the MSG and the processed food, the uh, amounts of sugar that people eat, the white flour and the vegetable oils, which are also cause people to gain weight. So it's just all this processed food. By the way, the number one food associated with obesity is potato chips. And they blame that on the salt, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's the oil and the, the starch. I'm not oh. saying that don't eat potatoes, but you know, people can't stop when they eat a potato chip, they end up eating the whole bag. Yeah. And that's because of the flavor enhancers and everything. They just can't stop. Interesting. So, okay. So, um, but it's not beef. It's certainly not beef. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, I, um, I know, for example, uh, I follow Jordan D. Peter Peterson, who is a psychologist from uh, Canada. And he makes also a beef diet. So he's oh, yeah? only beef. Yeah. Yes. And he said also that he has made a very good um, progress by eating this beef. And um, because I want to uh, I want to discuss the situation. Okay, it's a, it's a philosophical question, where you, whether someone is vegetarian or whether someone uh, takes meat. But from the from the perspective, because in we have, for example, Italy and Germany. Italy, Germany, and Greece. Italy and Greece, they have cultured uh, agriculture. And in, in Germany, or in the old Germany, we had only wood. We had no places, we had no acres, we had nothing. So the only thing to, to eat something was hunting. Yes, yes. So we had the whole time to, uh, uh, the, Germ the Germans ate meat, while the Greece and the Italians ate uh, wheat. Or any other products because yes. they know the agriculture already, yeah. yeah. And um, I think that the meat itself, uh, if it's if it's a good meat from from a, from um, a farmer, then I think it's a good thing for the for, for the body. Oh, of course, of course. We we need meat. I mean, we get iron, we get zinc, uh, we get fat soluble vitamins. Uh, yeah. By the way, you can also do weight loss on an exclusive raw milk diet. A lot okay. of people lose weight on a raw milk diet. Yeah. So there are many ways of losing weight. Um, I think the best one is uh, what I call intermittent fasting, where you skip a meal. So you go, mm -hmm. um, personally, I just eat two meals a day and I don't eat dinner. So I'm over almost 18 hours without food. And that tells the body 
time to burn fat. So um, it's a, I, I like to eat too much to go on a very, um, uh, you know, restricted yeah. diet. I, I like to have my sourdough bread and I like to have my uh, wow. eggs in the morning and, and so forth. But um, if you, if the two meals that you do eat are really satisfying, contain enough fat so you don't get hungry because hunger is your enemy, right? <laughs> if you're hungry, you're, you can't stop eating. But if the two meals that you do eat are sufficiently satisfying, then you can skip that one, that other meal. And you do, you end up eating fewer calories and less food. And, but you, the main thing is you don't want to go around feeling hungry. Because people yeah. who feel hungry are not very nice people to be around. I see. And um, concerning salt, do you think there are differences in the quality of salt? On the market? Yes, yes. I actually was going to say something to Jane. I actually don't agree with the iodizing of salt. Um, and some people are, have very strong reactions, bad reactions to iodized salt. Uh, the, you want an unrefined salt, which will contain a little bit of iodine, um, and but with all the minerals in it. And the problem with uh, commercial salt is they add things like aluminum and some really nasty additives to, to keep it from caking. So I'm a big promoter of unrefined salt. It also is a great source of magnesium. Uh, iodine is um, surprisingly one of the best sources of iodine is butter because butter, butter um, concentrates iodine uh, and seafood, of course. And do you have any comment concerning Himalaya salt? Yeah, it's a good salt. Yes, it's a good one. Okay. Yeah, oh sure. We publish. Hang on, I'll show you. We publish a shopping guide. The Weston A. Price Foundation does. And now this is for U.S. That um, mm -hmm. names we name brand names. You know, it's got over thirty thousand products in it, and um, we have a whole page on salts, healthy salts. So there's a lot available. Some okay. of the um, the salts that are pink are good sources of iron, by the way. Okay. And um, let's come to wheat, because if I want to have a bread, then I think uh, this is the most biggest problem what we are facing today, because yeah. the wheat itself, let's say we have GMO or we have don't GMO, but the not GMO wheat is also not healthy, let's say it this way. And, well, um, and yeah, and in the states, wheat is sprayed with Roundup two days before it's harvested as a desiccant. So that Roundup yeah. is right there. It hasn't had time to fade out or anything. But I think the real question is grains, all grains. So should we eat grains? Yeah. And our answer is only, only if they're properly prepared. Because grains are extremely difficult to digest. And when you look at traditional cultures, they soaked or fermented those grains first. So in Europe, they made sourdough bread, real genuine sourdough bread. Uh, mm -hmm. In Australia, they, they put the grains in baskets and put them in the stream for two weeks before they prepared them. In um, 
the Native Americans fermented the corn. They wrapped the cooked corn in um, corn um, leaves and let it put it aside for two weeks. So grains need a fermentation process because they're extremely hard to digest. And we don't, we only have one stomach. We're not like a cow with four stomachs that, you know, ferments those grains and grasses going through. So um, all traditional cultures kind of understood this instinctively that the grains for humans had to be pre-digested. Uh, there was some, there's some very interesting studies coming out of Italy and um, celiac disease is an epidemic in Italy because they eat so much pasta. And they gave genuine sourdough bread to people who were diagnosed as celiac and they had no problem. They could eat that bread. So our big emphasis is on proper preparation. And let's face this, we like grains. They, they make a nice addition to our diet. I don't eat a lot of bread, but I eat a little bread and I like it. I, we make brown rice, we put barley in the soup and, and people from the temperate regions all over the globe had grains, but they pr prepared them properly. Okay. And um, now, I, now, we, now I have the question to sugar. What is your opinion about sugar? Because sugar, the people, uh, there's also um, the opinion that, for example, if you have a lack of sugar, in that moment, you get yeah, there's a possibility to get Alzheimer. Oh, really? Well, it's quite possible. I think Alzheimer's is basically a disease of the wrong kind of fats and not okay. enough cholesterol. But yeah, sugar is bad. <laughs> But... Uh, All traditional cultures had something sweet in their diet. Mm -hmm. The Native Americans had maple syrup. The um, Filipinos had coconut sugar, um, honey. Uh, Europe had honey. Uh, molasses is another. So our view is in a healthy person, um, natural sweeteners in moderation in homemade desserts um, is fine. It's fine, and you can enjoy those things. But for sure, it is just shocking. It is absolutely shocking how much our ch sugar our children are getting mm -hmm. in school yeah. and from their parents. They go to Girl Scouts. It's just all sugar. And no yeah. wonder they're sick. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I was now very surprised and shocked, uh, for example, concerning what you said about uh, the chicken wings and all that stuff. Because... This is something what the children wants to have. Yeah. yeah. What I've uh, noticed in my, my grandchildren, who my son and daughter are very good parents, and they feed them real food. Uh, they don't give them sugar. And when they're offered sugar, they really don't want it. <laughs> my grandson, one, of, one day he says, I don't like cake. I just don't like cake. So, <laughs> so if they're well-nourished, uh, it's a little bit easier for sure. And um, in your in your books, for example, do you have a book where you where the people can learn to cook fast? Because the problem is, uh, many people think that healthy cooking takes a lot of time. Well, my book is called Nourishing Traditions, and there certainly are some simple recipes in there. But um, there are certain things that we recommend, like soaking your oatmeal the night before before you cook it, uh, making chicken broth, 
and using making soups and things. Um, so I think uh, it's reasonable. It's reasonable to expect that you would spend maybe one hour a day on food preparation in some way or another. I think that needs okay. to be budgeted into your day. That's in my case, I like to escape to the kitchen, not from the kitchen, to the kitchen. I like to get up from my computer and go in the kitchen and do something creative, you know. But um, one way or another, we need to pay attention to what we're eating. And yeah. most people never think about it, you know. All of a sudden, they're hungry and they get a candy bar, you know. And they okay. haven't thought yeah. about bringing a lunch with them. They know they're going to get hungry during the day. What have they brought with them? It's healthy that they can eat. Yeah. No, that's uh, uh, the most many people they buy in, in during lunchtime, they, they buy food. And that's it. Yeah. And, and, and the, yeah. It's like, and oh, I didn't think about this. Yeah. 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 No. Now, one no. thing that, so, so it's just me and my husband now and um, at home. So I make, when I make soup, I make a big pot of soup and we freeze that. And then we always have homemade soup, which is easy. So if you're oh, going to the trouble to make soup or stew or something that takes time, make a lot and freeze it. Good. Yeah. Yeah, this, it's uh, interesting. The important is to get to change the perspective on food. I, it's, then, I totally agree. It's not just something that you have to do. It's something you have to think about. It, yeah. You know, we, we're not, um, we're becoming, I believe, in the spiritual evolution and we become our, um, our individuality, our ego, our I is, is, um, developing and that means we have to think about things that we do we can't just let things happen to us we have to think about things and we certainly have to think about every morsel of food that goes into our mouths okay and um, do you have any uh, do you have also any uh, ideas concerning the current uh, food shortages for example here around the globe for example in uh, in the netherlands because of the nitrogen um they want to close uh three thousand farmers no i know it's i i it's just shocking i will say this those are all confinement farms i yeah. think what they should be doing in the netherlands is encouraging grass-based farming which really doesn't happen anywhere in europe anymore except the british isles Uh, we have a friend who went over to uh, Austria to look at the natural farming and all the animals were inside. Natural farming for them was they brought them green grass. They think it's inefficient or um, uh, unorganized or something to have the animals out, out in the pasture. Yeah, so in, in that, that's kind of shocking to us because here in the States, the pasture-based agriculture movement is really growing. Okay. And it's very easy to find pastured beef, pastured lamb, pastured chickens, pastured eggs. Yeah, because here in Germany, for example, we had uh, the agriculture, the Ministry for Agriculture has reduced the uh, quantity of, fert of, fert uh, of uh, fertilizer. fertilizer. And now the wheat has only 
uh, a protein quality of eight, uh, less than 10%. Mm -hmm. And you need because 10 or 12 percent of protein in order to, to make bread. So oh, you, you can do. only use... Oh, I didn't know that. And now we can take all this wheat, for example, from 2022 and give it to the pigs. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, um, if you're doing grass-based farming, you don't need fertilizer. You have you rotate the animals with your crops. You mm -hmm. leave the animals on two years, and then you have a crop. You don't need fertilizer. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure talking to you. I pass you to Grace. It was a real pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Sally, do you have any more um, important uh, last-minute thoughts and suggestions? Or let them know how they can connect you and how we can support you. Uh, well, our website, westonaprice.org, is an enormous website. Everything we've ever published in 25 years is on that website. So please go there and familiarize yourself. Um, Hartmut, we have a whole section on agriculture and natural farming. We have uh, on the on the right hand nav bar is a, take a tour of the website. So start there. And any question, just just say you're asking, you want to know about gout. Put gout in, and I promise you, you'll get two or three articles that will be very helpful. Uh, we have a whole section on industrial fats and oils, MSG, and then. Um, vitamins and minerals, big section on cooking, lots of recipes. So yeah, that's where I'd start. And if you become a member, you get our quarterly journal and all of our literature and our announcements and everything. Do people visit you at your homestead? Yes, uh, we do tours. Our farm is called P.A. Bowen Farmstead. But if you just Google Sally Fallon Farm, you'll find it. <laughs> and we do tours on Saturdays. Well, thank you so much. I love tours of farms. So well, thank I'm you for having me. This is a lovely conversation, Jane. I'd love to see your little handbook. So do you have my email? I'll get my email from Grace and I'll mm -hmm. give you my address or you can yes. email it to me. Well, thank you all. And please don't hesitate to share, share it now, this episode and all the information. And yes, you could just put in Sally Fallon and you'll get a lot of information and empowering conversations, videos, and you know, the, all the things that you need. It's, to not, be all, it's not all complimentary. <laughs> I have my enemies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye.